another episode of the Growing Faith Podcast. My name is Rick McClatchy. I'm your host today, and we are actually going to join in to a conversation I got to have with uh, two great gentlemen that have actually been on the podcast before individually. And today we had a, uh, a three-part conversation. I have Cale Courtright uh, from down in Dallas, Texas, and Michael Marcotte from Mount Carmel, Illinois, joining us for a great conversation, just kind of reflections on what has been the COVID season and what maybe God might be trying to teach us in the realm of our personal lives and in small groups. And so I just invite you to listen in and enjoy the conversation and I will catch you on the other side. All right, welcome in. Man, today's an exciting day. Uh, my name is Rick McClatchy. I'm a staff pastor at a church called Mana House in Portland, Oregon. And today uh, I have lovely company with me. Boys, you are lovely company. We have uh, Cale Courtright. Uh, he is from down in the Dallas area. I'll let him give a little more introduction on himself. We also are joined by Michael Marcotte from Illinois. And I can never remember the city. I, it's a, so annoying. It's not, a, it's not a city. That's why you're having trouble. Town. <laughs> <laughs> Mount Carmel, Mount Carmel, Illinois. Mount Carmel. It's even like biblical. And so I don't it know is, eh? what is my problem. And it's an exciting day for us. We're, we're all we're all involved in the church and we've all been living through this crazy COVID season and then, you know, layers of other things on top of it, you know, living in Portland, uh, racial tensions and kind of unrest in our city and wildfires. And man, I'm telling you what, you just layer upon layer upon layer. And I'm like, it's not even fall. We shouldn't be layering yet, you know? And so, um, so, Kale, you are the host uh, with the silent rim shot for me on that great joke. Uh, you're the host of the How to Christian podcast, uh, one that I have enjoyed listening to uh, very much. And, Michael, you are a co-host. We'll call you the brains behind the operation. Who are we kidding? <laughs> uh, of the not so... Oh, man. Oh, gosh. You're going to have to edit this. <laughs> the not so secret bible thank you oh, <laughs> so, it's because you said i was good at winging it i'm gonna start over go for it man or we can just leave that in i think that's great <laughs> now we've dropped leave more it. attention to my show yeah right. leave it leave it <laughs> awesome well it's a great day to be uh to be friends and to be able to uh, get together and talk about what what has god been doing in the midst of the the COVID crisis that our nation has been walking through, really the world has been walking through. I think it is the one thing that Christians have going for them is, um, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths no matter what you're going through. And the fact that um, he is good and he does only good. Oh God, teach me your ways. There's so many... Uh, so many things in the Bible that tell us not to, not to fret or worry or be anxious because God's got us and he is actually committed to taking whatever we're going through and working it for our good and for his glory. I always say, unfortunately, he gets to define the word good there because <laughs> if I got to define it, good would look a little different. I don't think I would end up as happy as I think I would. Um, and so I trust him with that. And so, guys, why don't you um, jump in and let me know, like, 
what have been some things you have learned, grown in? I mean, shoot, I'm just thinking, Kale, like your whole podcast is an outflow of this whole thing. Yeah, I uh, I was pointing to Michael to go first, but that's okay. I'm kidding. Um, I did nose go, so. <clears throat> True. So, you know, I... I think a lot that there will be a lot written about this time, you know, uh, in the future that we'll look back and think, you know, how did our culture shift during this moment? How did we respond from a Christian perspective? Did we maximize this opportunity? And and I know that there are some that have dealt with this moment um, in terms of suffering in different ways. So I don't use that opportunity like this has all been good. I understand that for some it has not. It has been very challenging, very, very challenging job loss or sickness or, or whatever. But there's been a shaking, you know, our culture has been shaken in a way that it hasn't been in a long time. I don't know, maybe 20 years, maybe, maybe more. And, you know, ironically or coincidentally or the Holy Spirit, whatever, I, I did a four week sermon series that ended on March 8th called The Art of Neighboring. And it was a plea to our church that, you know, the second commandment is to love our neighbor as ourself. And one of the ways we do that is we share our faith with them that we, we want to know them. We want to, we want to love them. And, and as part of that, we should then, if Jesus Christ is good news, then that's something that should, we should be talking about. And what I did is, is I made this graphic and I, I showed our area here in Dallas. Uh, Rick was right. Um, I'm here in Dallas and I, um, I put our, our church on the map and I said, you know, every Sunday we ask everyone to come here. And I said, what if instead, you know, we were just little kingdom outposts at all of our homes. And, and I didn't have like, I couldn't actually go and I didn't actually go and mark all of our people, but I just kind of guessed. And I put a bunch of, I put like a hundred or maybe 200 marks on a map. That's about how many families we have. And I said, what if this is what it looked like? You know, what if this is where we were doing kingdom work and and a lot of our people are and a lot of our people are doing kingdom work at their home already and i said this is what god wants it to look like this is where he wants us to be at work not just on sunday mornings but every day and that and i, I finished that series and that week you know texas we kind of got our stay-at-home orders like that week and so i reshared that on you know my social media like when i you know that next week i said church is not canceled church has moved and we, we should never think in terms of uh, we're canceled, we're sitting on the sidelines, but that we have, this is why I call it an opportunity. We have an opportunity to, you know, let what we believe, you know, be embodied and to go, you know, to live out our faith. And, and yes, that's why I started my podcast, How to Christian, because the way I read the Bible is that it's very action oriented. I don't mean works based. I mean that we should put our words to flesh. Uh, just as as John says, is that our beliefs should take on flesh and should matter every single day. And, you know, when I get a new iPhone or a new, you know, something cool, guess what? I tell everybody about it. And Jesus Christ, if he is the best news, the good news, then we should be telling everybody about him. And so that's why, again, why I call it an opportunity, why I started my own podcast. And so um, I do think, and, and we can come back to this in a minute, but I think that's why this moment has shown a weakness. Uh, Rick, you used that word a little bit earlier, but a weakness to the emerge that we were very location-driven, event-driven, uh, things like that. And I think it's shown that like, if that's how you're, what we're relying on, you can't rely on that anymore. And frankly, we never should have been. 
I think it's Michael's turn now. I'm I'm just going to I'm just going to second that. <laughs> wow you're here sorry about that i should have I sh- i've been doing this for you know like 20 episodes now i should have been better at like just th- lobbing me throwing a it over here. to you yeah sorry about that no i think you make a really good point and you guys are so invested in small groups and spiritual formation i, I think it just almost comes second nature to you that to, to think about what it, what would it look like on a smaller scale if we just broke this thing up spread it out and then let it fly like what what would happen um and man, that's just like, like, that's so important. Even just the concept of what the, what the church is always supposed to have been is this model of who Jesus was, who um, was the head of the church. And for him to be the head of the church meant for him to be a, a servant and to love others before himself. Like literally his act of laying his life down was, I mean, just sacrificial in nature. And so like as people of the church, what does that look like? in this time where we can't gather together in, in one spot, but we're being forced to spread out and things are starting to change. And like Rick, you're, you were talking about uh, before we hopped on about how your church is figuring out how do we get people back in the building? How do we congregate together again? But what does it look like for us to be, um, to be small pockets of, of Christians that are uh, engaged in, in the kingdom wherever we are? Um, and so I think this is this is one of those seasons where, Gail, you touched on this, where we're being forced to reckon with uh, what the church has looked like uh, up to this point and how we might need to adapt. Is this something where uh, where we're being made uncomfortable uh, intentionally by God to to do some of these things? Maybe I, I can't say that for certain, but can God use this for His good uh, or for our good and for His glory? Absolutely, one hundred percent. So. I guess my hope with this season, and I know for me, like it's been uncomfortable for me. There's been a lot of things that have been challenging for me in this season where I've had to stop and look at myself and, um, and, and look at the church and look at ministry and be like, what, what could God be doing with this? And what could I be doing differently to be on that? Would, that would honor him. Um, and I think part of it is just like getting to that frame of mind. What does it look like to love uh, sacrificially, just that self-giving love? Uh, modeled after Jesus's own love and to be led by the spirit in this time. And, you know, what's really, really near and dear to my heart is uh, being people of the word. And in this time, like there's so many people that are going to tell you what the truth is and everybody's got their own subjective truth right now. And everybody's really passionate about uh, their side of things. And so I think Christians, I, I know Christians need to be people that are transformed and shaped by the word of God and by the spirit of God. And, um, if we're not doing that, then we're being shaped by the world. And there's really no in between uh, uh, of that, which I think is hard, especially in this time, because we've got a lot of preconceived uh, notions. We've got a lot of things that we're passionate about. And it's really hard to submit those things to God. But I think that's been a lot of what like my journey over the last few months has been is, is like, what does it look like when uh, when I submit my own uh, passions, my own desires to to the Lord and to his word and to his spirit. So, um, so yeah, I don't have a softball to lot, but there you go, guys. I just unloaded a whole lot. Of well, energy. you know, one of the things, I mean, just as you were talking there, even at the end, I mean, just on a very superficial level, but I mean, how many plans have been disrupted? How many, we were going to do this, we were going to do that. And, and even that has been kind of a, a reckoning in how, like we used to think like in terms of like, you know, so far down the road and, you know, pretty selfishly of like, well, I'm going to do this and I want to do that. And, 
even just the fact of like, you know, maybe a vacation got canceled and look, I'm for vacation. I hope people can take them. But it's like, you know, when, when our response to that has been, uh, I'll be honest, some of mine weren't, it wasn't great. You know, it was kind of like how my, you know, five-year-old throws a tantrum and it's like, but I want to go. And, <laughs> and it's yeah. just rethinking about like, you know, what was I really after in life? You know, what was I really wanting to happen? And where were my priorities? And, you know, what, what was I going for? You know, mm. what, what was I, what was I working so hard for every day? So that's been something that even just for me, I've had to rethink about. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's been a re-examining the scoreboard, you know, like if you're going to win the game, you got to put the right points on the board. And I think that we just accidentally, you know, whatever through time, we kind of changed the metrics that are on the scoreboard. And, and so when the things that we were primarily measuring became uh, to kind of taken away from us in but a moment uh, from an American church perspective, um, one, from, a, from an organizational standpoint, you can kind of start to freak out and go, oh my gosh, what do we do and how do we respond to this? Um, but then what I was able to observe in, in many of, you know, church families is they, they weren't they weren't faring very well when it came to their faith in the midst of crisis. And you go, wow, um, have we as the church actually been doing a good job of equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry? And so it's interesting, actually, just to think about the three main things that our podcasts represent. So growing faith, we're, we're about small groups and pastoral care. Um, and really, we see that a majority of pastoral care is carried out through the small group, uh, small group relationships. The not so secret Bible podcast, yes, uh, is <laughs> is being able to raise biblical literacy amongst the, like I say on my podcast all the time, the average Joe or Georgina or whatever in, in the church that the average person would come to the Bible. Um, with honor and respect, but not with fear and trepidation of, oh my gosh, will I ever understand this book? But that, but that we are helping train and equip people how to even mine the truth and the, the wisdom and the riches out of the word of God. And then the How to Christian podcast, you know, again, it's just, how do I live my everyday life in, in response to what Christ has done for me? Like, Christ loved me, I should love my neighbor. How do I love my neighbor? How do I, how do I, I love the picture that that you painted about putting flesh on the word of God. Like uh, John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he came and tabernacled. He came and dwelt among us and that we are supposed to be that dwelling among those around us being the word of God uh, expressed in our lives. Um, we're, we're in the middle of a series on first Peter uh, right now. And it's just, man, talk about a book, you know, where you survive, but not just survive, you know, pressure filled times. And we were talking about um, in chapter two, where it talks about being precious stones, and how uh, precious stones in the Bible were often put together as altars in the Old Testament. And all the, the altar was to be a signifier, a reminder of God's faithfulness. So something I've been kind of chewing on this week is how how is my life 
a reflection or a reminder of God's faithfulness? How am I living my life so that I actually point people to to realize or think about the faithfulness of God? Um, and so I, I love how God uh, takes really, really crummy situations uh, on a global scale, on a national scale, uh, in the state, in my personal life, in my church. He takes really crummy situations and he he redeems them for his plans and purposes. And I, I think I think you said it really well, Kale. It, it's a matter of our perspectives being jarred, <laughs> you know, like what what was I even aiming at? Like I all of these things seemed so important and, and now so many of them have been stripped away. You have to look back on like the I mean, you just think about the, the history of the church, even even modern Christians that are uh, experiencing persecution, but face that persecution with joy. Uh, and you see like the, the writings of Christians throughout history where they talk about going to their going to their death and like stepping into true discipleship and what it means. Like, I want my perspective to be jarred so that it's in line with something like that. Like, I want to be like Peter and John when they're leaving the temple in front of the in front of the Sanhedrin and they've been uh, flogged for uh, preaching about Jesus. And they're like, well, we're either accountable to you or to God. And we'd rather be accountable to God here. So, um, I mean, like that. That's what I, that's the way that I want to live. And, and when I think about the hope that I have, the hope that I have is, I mean, John one is that uh, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I mean, even no matter the situation, Jesus is overcoming sin. He's overcome death and any suffering I feel is just light and momentary. Then um, I'm looking at something to forward, or looking forward to something greater. Um, so I'm just saying I haven't lived that way um, flawlessly through this season. Like, oh, well, I, I haven't either. No, for sure. No, I'm not sitting not here cheated. like everybody. Look at me, Kale. I'm the, the greatest of <laughs> flawless execution of the plan. I Nobody just... asked my wife, but that's true. <laughs> I, I just I look back on this season, and in light of those kinds of scriptures that you just mentioned, Michael, it's like, uh, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed. Well, and you know, one thing, Michael, when you were talking, I was thinking about is like the right after you know Jesus's resurrection, early centuries of the church. It's like martyrdom was like something to be like sought sought after, almost like it yeah, was, in a was weird like way. The highest yeah. the highest honors that you might be put to death for your sin, and now it's like you know, I will. You know, when we talk about suffering, we're really talking about being uncomfortable, and right. Yes. And it's just like, am I willing to do something that makes me like a little uncomfortable? And that's a far cry from, from martyrdom, you know? And, and, um, and I was about to even just throw in and not that we should want that. And I'm like, I don't, maybe we should, I don't know. Um, it's just that willing, you know, again, it's one of the things we're willing to say, I will give everything, but then it's, I, well, one, most American Christians haven't been asked to. And if we were, I mean, how would we respond to that, you know? Yeah, I, I think about like prayers for safety. I'm all about praying for other people because we care about them and we want them to be safe and, and cared for. But before even that, like I want to encourage people to pray for God's will to be done and for their will to be aligned with, with his will. And if that takes me into a place where I'm not safe, then so be it. But I'm not shaped into character, Christ-like character by... Um, being in 100% perfect, happy situations all the time. I'm, my character is shaped out of um, 
out of suffering a lot of the time and out of trials. And that's one of the ways that people grow the best is, is, I mean, it's, it's through, uh, I think like the ancient saying is through love or suffering and, or through loving suffering. But we often juxtapose this prayer of safety with like a prayer for boldness. Like we, like we can't do both. And so it's like, you have to choose. And so, you know, you're not exactly saying that, but it's like, I can either be bold in my faith or faith, or I can be safe. And uh, which one am I going to do? Um, but, but I think a question that people could ask themselves is if I had the choice between the two and one of those led me closer to God and one of them led me further away, which one would I pick? Um, and especially, especially in this season. And, it, and again, Rick, you mentioned this earlier, like we're not the, um, the paragons of what, what it looks like to follow Jesus. We're just guys that are trying, you know? And so like, that's my prayer for people that are listening is just that, you know, if, that we would want to be called into deeper relationship and step into deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And, um, and in this season, I mean, like, let me be realistic. I've really not suffered um, a whole lot. I mean, I've had challenges come up, but I'm not like suffering by any means. And there really are people that, that are, but I think what I'm learning more and more about God in the season is that um, no matter the situation, uh, no matter the culture, that God can work in and through it, through his church when they're aligned with what he wants them to be aligned with, which is himself. So, yeah, I want to ask you guys, you guys a question, and, and it's a question I like to ask a lot. Um, but if we were to, you know, flash forward five years and we were looking back on this moment, and we said, you know, again, understanding all, all the challenges, all the suffering that some people have been through. But we said that was great for the American church and for the average Christian because how would we fill in that blank? What, what could happen or what could change that we would say, I wouldn't choose it again, but I'm thankful because this happened. Well, I'll jump in. And one of the common things, you know, I say on my podcast all the time, because we talk about small groups all the time, is to say, man, you know, when you're when you're a small groups pastor, and you're trying to get people into small groups, I feel like you're trying to give somebody a drink of water when they don't know that they're thirsty, you know, and so, um, and, and I feel like this has been a, a season where people's oats got salted, you know, where the eating their food all of a sudden made them really thirsty. Uh, because they're like, man, this is kind of rough. And if I don't have people in my world, um, because in America, I, you know, I don't think it's isolated just to the church, but um, our relationships are very proximity driven. So you are friends with people that you bump into, you know, like, uh, because we show up at the same church building every Sunday, we are some level of friends. Um, you know, when you're in school, when you're in college, you know, you have different stages of life where you are naturally in proximity with people. But then if the proximity begin, uh, begins to wane, what happens to those relationships? And so we experienced a waning of proximity across the board. Everybody all of a sudden was not seeing anyone and and what relationships hung on. And And so to me, it was, it's been great for the individual and great for the church in the sense that um, some of, and I, I still think there's 
plenty of work to be done, but some of the individualistic lock of our society was weakened in this process because people understood the the kind of the pain or the emptiness that can come from too much individuality, too much autonomy, um, and, and go, wow, man, maybe if I had built healthier, better, stronger relationships uh, in the good times, maybe I would be experiencing something different, a different kind of fullness in the midst of this trial or challenge. And, and that's another thing I talk to people about all the time. I'm like, you know, I know you don't feel thirsty. You know, I know you don't feel like you need a drink. I'm just saying you're going to encounter a desert season of your life and you're going to wish that you had a little more water in your tank and some people alongside you carrying some water bottles. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, is we, we can't wait till we get into crisis and then go, Oh shoot, I better build some community, you know, to, to get through this. And it doesn't happen that fast. No. Yeah. It, it's built slow and sure over a long, a long steady process. And so that would be kind of my, my first initial take on that question. What was the question again? <laughs> I was, I was wondering if you could think of this in a positive light in the future. Yeah. You know, and you said what what would have what would need to happen to say you know that was a blessing in disguise or not in disguise maybe. Well, I just think, and th I think this applies in pretty much any season. Um, is that people who um, who follow Jesus are willing. Uh, to change and not get, I, I, I'm always afraid of getting stuck in the phrase of, well, this is the way that we've always done things um, because it's not the way we've always done things. <laughs> it's the way we've done them for a while. And so I, so I would just pray that people would be willing to, to change in this season um, and adapt to a model like you guys are talking about. You know, I'm really passionate about, um, about groups as well um, and strictly for the purpose of uh, the community that it brings and the building up of the body of Christ uh, that it brings, because it's hard when you get into a small group like that to, um, to fake it, to be in genuine and people not know. <laughs> uh, it's really easy when the only gathering you have is on a Sunday morning and there's hundreds or thousands of people that are, that are gathering together. So, um, but I also not, not just that, that like at the end of this, people got into small groups, but that people really caught on to the heart of God. Uh, and shared uh, the heart of God in this season that we would hold more strongly to um, to his character and who he is and how he's revealed himself through Jesus and how he leads us through the spirit uh, than we would to um, whatever it might be political affiliations I mean any any club we're a part of or preconceived notions that we have and that our version of Jesus that we see at the end of this looks a whole lot less like us and a whole lot more like who he really is um, so that's that's what I'm hoping for. That's not really specific, I don't think, but um, hopefully it's oh, that specific. was great. I was going to say amen. I mean, <laughs> I was about to come forward. Yeah, that was great. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I love everything you just said there because I was, this wasn't in my mind, but I was thinking, yeah, if we believed in a deeper level what we said, it's what we say we do. Um, you know, if the shallowness was all wiped away through this moment because of uh, what we've been through collectively. And I, I originally, my, I knew Rick would probably answer that way. And I appreciate that. Cause that's, I mean, we, we're both over our small group systems. And so that yeah, is man. kind of the way we think is that, you know, when I, I don't need a necessarily, I don't need a small group. I don't need a connect group. I don't need a life group, whatever you call it. But what I need are 
deep relationships with like-minded believers um, who are going towards the same thing and exactly what you said, Michael, and are willing to walk through challenges, who are willing to change when, uh, when they learn something, when the Holy Spirit prompts them, when they're leading. Um, because I, even myself was reliant on these, you know, public gatherings and it's like, you know what, those are great. And I want them all to come back just like, you know, they're bigger and badder than they were before, you know, but it's like, I need those people that, you know, that I can call and that will be over there in a minute. And that doesn't matter the time of day. And, um, or even if it's just like, let's get together and watch, you know, football in the afternoon, you know, people like, I hate it. It's very, we use it all the time, but like, it's such a cliche, but like doing life together, you know what I mean? It's just like, we know what that means. It's also a cliche, but you know what that means when you hear it of like people. And that's what I think more like, and I want that for, for our whole church. And I think people Mm -hmm. have started to get the sense that they're thirsty, like you said, Rick. And, um, and there's also been people very honest that, that have realized that their, that, that their faith was a little shallow and that this is, thanks be to God, the first, maybe the first hard thing that they've come up against. And then, and it kind of says, you know, you know, will I put my money where my mouth is, you know, will I believe what I claim to believe, you know? And, and also I think just as in our culture, like it shows how weak so many things were that we put our faith in that, you know, this will be, this will, this will take care of me or that'll take care of me. My hope is in this or that. And it's like, those things can be gone in an instant and mm-hmm. it's only lasting if you put it in Jesus. And even for people like in ministry context, I'm sure maybe you guys felt some of this too, but what happens when you don't have those, those Sunday morning gatherings and a whole lot of what your, your job is, isn't there to do anymore. I mean like that, that's a hard thing to, to wrestle with. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, it, things are a little bit different in my context because I'm not in full-time ministry right now, but I can imagine because I have been, what that what that would feel like yeah i mean you take a youth pastor that's used to building towards a maybe a wednesday night we'll go real cliche right uh building towards a wednesday night youth service and then you know who knows what other elements maybe and maybe a sunday morning element or whatever and then both of those are just removed all of the sudden and you're like oh my word, how, how am I supposed to reach these kids? And then actually, then you think about while I had them, what was I doing for them? What was I building into them? And, and that's not to pick on youth pastors, because then you take it to the Sunday morning service and all of the other pastors that are represented there. I mean, you could go worship pastor. What was I building into them? Was I giving them a good show? Or, or were we even maybe perhaps teaching them what worship is and helping them understand how to engage in worship on their own? And, and then for the, the teaching pastor, was I, was I trying to be an eloquent, amazing communicator or, you know, to have cleverly crafted, um, you know, sermons and illustrations or, or was I line upon line, you know, building an understanding of how to be able to feed on the word of God on your own and, and how to grow in maturity in your relationship with Christ. And, and, and all of these different aspects I, for me, man, I've just been like, 
it's been kicking my butt uh, just thinking about what's the last thing Jesus said to us before he left. And you go, and you're like, well, one, all authority has been given to me and I give it to you. Go in all the world, make disciples and, and baptize them and, and then teach them to do all the things that I've told you to do and, and remember me, you know, along the way. Like, I'm just thinking, man, you know, how many, how many disciples am I making? What, where are the energies that I'm, what the energy that I'm putting into this, you know, I mean, this is my full-time job. Like, do I have, do I have enough to show for it to go? Yeah, we're winning. You know, like, that's why I say, like looking again at the scoreboard. Um, it's not necessarily defined by the number of small groups that I got to have open because maybe, maybe half of those small groups haven't produced a disciple in the last two years, who knows, you know? And, and if that's the case, then no, I'm not really winning. And I need to go back again and look at how are we doing what we're doing and why are we doing what we're doing? And so to me, th those have been the really, from a, from a church organizational perspective, but then on a personal level, man, asking myself all kinds of hard questions, like what, what, what do I do now? You're like, I don't have my, my Christian community to hang out with. And well, I guess I'm kind of stuck here with my neighbors, you know, like my neighbors keep walking by my house because they're walking their dog every day and we're bumping into each other. And I'm actually randomly, I am randomly known as the preacher in my neighborhood. Uh, like I bumped into a neighbor the other day. Oh, you're the preacher guy, right? Uh, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, technically preaching isn't even a part of my job description, but okay, that's cool. Um, so I'm like, really, I'm more of a groups guy. No, I didn't say that, but. <laughs> well, you know, it's like I did that. I've mentioned that sermon series I did about neighboring and I would, like try to be intentional, like, because I don't want to be hypocrite. I'm like, got to meet my neighbors. And I met more like at the start of COVID than I did even like trying to because like people were home and they were outside. And right. it was like, that's like one of those things, like those silver linings of like, that's the opportunity portion is exactly you didn't choose this. But now let's make the most of it, you know, and, and I don't, I mean, yes, it's been very difficult for, in this way, uh, for, for full-time ministers, but we can all ask ourselves that question. What are our true, what were our true priorities and how, I mean, are we spending our time and our energy and our efforts and, and what do I have to show for it? And, uh, cause again, if like, if my goal was to, you know, work so that I can take that vacation or, you know, Again, I love vacation. Totally for it. We should do it. Kale hates vacation. He keeps but, talking about how awful it is. <laughs> but if that's if that's all you're living for and you claim to be a Christian, then like you gotta look in the mirror, you know? And um yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say about that. So if if the main thing Jesus told us to do is to go and make disciples, uh what so what is the answer to that question if if maybe the scoreboard has been all wrong? I mean, what are, what's one or two things you guys see as priority activities for, for the average person in the church? Let's, let's take it at that level. Like, wh what do you encourage people to do? How do you get them started? Because go and make disciples sounds great and, and super spiritual, but boy, how do I, how do I do that practically? I don't want to say it starts here every time because, you know, God's going to work differently and the spirit's going to work differently. But um, I think a great starting point is just to pray 
and to really submit yourself honestly uh, before God in, in prayer. And I know that that when that is um, when that's my practice. And I'm really coming to God and I'm, and I'm saying, uh, God, I want you, I, I'm praying that you would change my desires so that they'd be more like yours. It's so much easier for me to, to share who Jesus is with the people around me. Uh, then when I'm simply like, okay, what are the five steps I've got to do to go and make the disciples? It's like, God, I just want to follow your lead. Um, I know that I have a really small role to play in whatever you're trying to do and in, in changing people's hearts. Um, so let me do that. So I, I think that's probably a, a great place to start. And then uh, I know these are like super, <laughs> as spiritual formation people, you guys uh, know there's so much more to it than this. We're when totally we, we, right now. Do it. Bible and <laughs> prayer, guys. That's where I'm coming back to. Um, but seeing God for who he really is, uh, it just changes the way that you think about him. If what you have in your head is just like this idea of him and it's this static idea and you're never feeding more into it. Like there's so much more to God than just like he's a big guy looking out for us upstairs. And so um, the picture that we get through scripture, I think, helps helps us to see what it means to um, make disciples because making disciples isn't like, a work thing it's a love thing and um we see how much our god loves us it changes the game um but you guys have already talked about um it takes genuine relationship like if i have like deep real relationships like that that's what it means to make disciples not just go and evangelize like that's part of it that's part of it but that's not the whole thing um and so it's that cyclical nature of go and make disciples teach them to obey and those people who are being taught to obey, go and make disciples, teach more people to obey. <laughs> it just keeps going and going. Yeah, I was going to say that, and then Michael answered this very well, uh, and he exactly basically what I was going to say, but like to make disciples, you have to first be a disciple. And, and so what does it look like um, to be like Jesus? And, and you're never going to completely emulate him, but this is why I encourage people all the time to spend time in the gospels. And how do you, how, how can you expect to look like someone that you don't know? And so I think that's exactly like what Michael said. So you know him through prayer, you know him through scripture reading, you know him through other people who are modeling this on the way ahead of you. And so that's like, you know, I think people pretty much should always be reading the gospels. I mean, and I learned that uh, once through uh, Ray Vanderlaan, who learned that from a Jewish guy that said, you know, basically, this is, this is all you have about, about your rabbi. You should always be reading this. And that, when I heard that, that, that very much, you know, formed me because I was like, I mean, he's right. And so how can you look like someone that you don't know? And, and so the, the metric that I always put against my own self is like the kingdom idea that Jesus lays out in the Sermon on the Mount is that the kind of person that I am becoming? And so I think you, again, you have to become a disciple before you can make other disciples. And so, and I will say, you know, just in my years in church work though, people can kind of get stuck on that point of like, well, I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. And so at some point that is where that prayer of boldness has to come out. And you do have to say, you know what, this is that important to me. And, and so you do at some point have to step out and it's not going to be easy. And now even, like you were mentioning your neighbor, like, I mean, I always just wait, like every time I'm talking to a neighbor, someone, I just know, like, I know it's coming up. What do you do? I'm just, I'm waiting for that. And, and I know that's part of actually 
the luxury of working for a church is that like there are, I'm already putting the conversation on different tracks kind of because I can say that. But the question I always ask myself is like, okay, so how do I go a step further and um, maybe invite them or invite them, you know, this is pre COVID, but invite them into my home. Maybe when we have a small group or something. And, and so while you do have to first become a disciple yourself and pursuing that Christ likeness every day in your life, you at some point do have to step out and like Jesus sends out people. You do have at some point have to be sent out and, and be willing to go. You know, one of my like biggest fears with teaching is that, and I feel like that's, that's where I'm gifted at least for the time being is, is just in, uh, is in teaching is that at some point I'm going to look back and see something that I taught and it's going to be way off the mark. And I think that's a, uh, it's a little, it's a little scary, but at the same time, it's like God can work through. I mean, He's working through imperfect people anyway. So, I mean, it's not going to be perfect. So, like, we're not going to be perfect before we start going and making disciples. God's the one who's. It's really in His hands anyway. So, Kayla was really well put, and Rick, I know you. You've talked on your podcast along those same lines of you, um, of being with Jesus before doing for Jesus. Um, but there, yeah. you know, exactly what you said. There were sermons that I preached 10 years ago that I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, but people, and sometimes people, I preach a sermon, they say, man, I really got this from it. I'm like, that is not what the sermon was about, but I am glad <laughs> that's what you heard. <laughs> Praise the Lord. No, yeah, I, I think uh, actually just released a podcast episode today on the topic of discipleship conversation starters. And it's really just the simple idea of taking everyday interactions and just um, getting over the awkwardness of talking about something spiritual with someone, with people that you know they're a Christian. And why why should it be that weird that we talk about, hey, what's what's the Lord speaking to your heart this week? What What's he changing in you or shaping in you? And that we just begin to change the culture that we live in, in our own personal lives, that talking about Jesus and, and growing in understanding of who he is and, and our love for him, is less and less weird and more and more normal and and just kind of starting to normalize growing in our relationship with him. And so just super simple things like, Hey, what's the Lord been speaking to you through the Bible this week? Or, you know, what's, what's the greatest thing God's ever done for you? Or in what, in what way have you been disappointed in your own pursuit of holiness? Like, like, and, and also when you're having those conversations, it makes it, you have to have an answer for those questions. So you best be, like you were saying, Kayla, like you better be a disciple yourself if you're going to be asking those questions. And so it's kind of a win-win. Like you kind of spur them on a little bit, but you also keep yourself in check and accountable. And so it's been a super cool conversation. I'm sure we're going to have to probably come back and, and do another one of these. Um, but I think we should probably wrap it up for today. So again, Kale, thanks so much for your time today. And, uh, and Michael, man, uh, Mount Carmel, baby. I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life now. I mean, not, what's his now. podcast called? <laughs> Bible podcast. <laughs> That's the not so secret Bible co- podcast. And yours is the growing faith podcast. Yep. yep. And how to Christian let's go. Yeah. So you check out all of those on all of the main, uh, I'm on three, I'm on Google and Apple and Spotify. Um, I'm there what platforms yep. you guys are all on, but yep. um, everywhere, wherever you want to listen to it. So uh, you guys are way better at marketing. So I need you guys to help me out. But anyways, uh, super good. Thanks for hanging out today. Let's uh, we'll book another time, but uh, God bless you guys. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. 
All right, there you have it. That was our great conversation with Kale and Michael. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. Hope you picked something up uh, that you can kind of stick in your pocket and take with you today. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, as always, for being part of our listening audience. And as usual, if you'd be so kind as to like and comment and review and share the podcast with people, that would be so wonderful. You can reach me at growingfaithpodcast at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. Uh, comments, ideas for future episodes, and the like. Definitely our goal here at the Growing Faith Podcast is to continue to put out content that would be most beneficial to you where you are at in local church ministry for the average Joe, like we always say. So with that, God bless you and have the most amazing day. <laughs>